this thing on? It's been a while. Hello, and welcome back to the Movie Mouth Film and TV Podcast. We've been away, imprisoned at the bottom of a dark well, slowly recovering and building our film knowledge to the point of paralysis. But here we are, emerging once again into the light of the movie projector to strike fear into the heart of other podcasts. On this very episode, we hang out in the shadows with Arbats himself. Yes, Robert Pattinson is Batman in Matt Reeves' understated take on the comic book movie, The Batman, before taking a work sabbatical by, well, making ourselves forget being at work in Apple TV's Ben Stiller-directed Curio, Severance. And in this week's Video Store Corner Classic Film Discussion section, we take a look back at the movie that started it all as far as blockbuster comic book movies go. Holy campus Christmas, Batman! It's Batman! And that was brought to you by Tim Burton's 1989 classic starring Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton. On top of it all, we'll be discussing the latest film news, trailer reactions, and throwing in as much movie madness as you've come to expect from the Movie Mouth team. I'm vengeance. I mean, Miles. And as ever, I'm joined by a man who once said, That's the problem. You hung up your mic and your headphones, but you never went to find a life. But you're not living. You're just waiting for the things to go bad again. Do you remember when you left the podcast? Before all this? Before Movie Mouth? You were gone for seven years. Seven years I waited, hoping that you wouldn't come back. Every year I took holiday. I went to Florence. There's this cafe on the banks of Diano. Every fine evening, I'd sit there and order a Fernet Branca. I had this fantasy that I would look across the table and I'd see you there with a wife, maybe a couple of kids. You wouldn't say anything to me, nor me to you, but we both know that you'd made it, that you were happy. I never wanted you to come back to Movie Mouth. I always knew there was nothing here for you, except pain and tragedy. And I wanted something more for you than that. I still do. <laughs> it's Phil. Hi, Phil. Oh, hi. How's it going? <laughs> it's good. Oh, that was fun. Two months I've been working on that. Yeah, clearly. It's a lovely performance. <laughs> Yeah, I know. How have you been? Uh, yeah, good. It's been a long time, isn't it? I'm just trying to think what's happened. Lots of things have happened. <laughs> well, do you want to tell the listeners why we've we've had our little um, sabbatical here? Well, uh, it was the new year and Christmas mm -hmm. time. That's always a busy time, isn't it? Well, we and did then, have two podcasts during that time, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But then, then I got covid Yes. Then you got COVID. <laughs> you gave it to me, didn't you? You gave it to me through the internet. Through the internet, yeah. I sent it to you in a little virus package via email. <laughs> it was. Uh, I didn't do that. It was a time, wasn't it? It was a time mm. having a little COVID. But don't worry, listeners. Yeah. We are safe and well, and so are our significant others. Um, yes. But yeah, it was a bit of a crappy time. Also, not many movies out, were there? Really? Not. No. Not really. No. We felt a bit quiet, didn't it? And mm. yeah, we needed a break. And and now, you know, now we've all come back to it. COVID's over, near enough. And uh, World War Three started. So that's good. Perfect timing. Perfect <laughs> timing. Here in your hour of need. Um, not that we, of course, condone World War Three. Um, <laughs> no. 
Besides all that, have you kept up with your New Year's resolution that you told both Sean and myself on the 2021 podcast of the year? Can you tell the listeners what that was? Well, the the resolution was that I would finally, finally watch not only uh, Avengers Infinity War, but also <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Hell of a resolution. Hell of a resolution. And one that I've been trying to get you to make since, I think, the very first episode. Is yep, that right? I think, Space I think Force so. Season 1 review episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> 34 uh, odd episodes ago. <laughs> and tell the listeners, did you keep up your end of the bargain? I'll tell you what. I bloody did it, didn't I? Oh my goodness me. <laughs> um, yeah, As if you know summoned <laughs> by a Doctor Strange portal, Phil arrives. Having now seen I know what you're on about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I think I said before, very oddly, I had managed not to have uh, the end of, or anything really, about spoiled. Uh, mm. Endgame spoiled. Yeah, mm. um, which is, I think, quite remarkable, considering how long ago it was out. And do you know what's really weird? After <laughs> It's either remarkable or ignorance, so I'm not sure either. And I don't <laughs> know if it's just a, a thing of me sort of just choosing to ignore it, but like, what is really weird is that now that I've seen it, I've seen like the big spoilers for it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, quite often. Like it would have been spoiled for me if I hadn't watched it then. So I think it was a sign. I think it, it was, was too. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that you did. I'm glad that you did. And obviously, uh, most of our listeners, I'm sure, have seen the Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame movies. But they're yeah. they're just two movies that I absolutely loved, and I wanted Phil to see them just because he kind of ran. You ran out of steam a little bit, didn't you, with the with the MCU? I think around Ultra Age of Ultron. Um, yeah. And yeah, I went of... to see Age of Ultron, and I saw you know the first Avengers and stuff, and I, I just you know I think you know I've mentioned it before quite a lot. It, I just get a bit uh, overwhelmed by the bucket loads of Marvel that gets thrown yeah. at you on a mm-hmm. daily basis, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just sort of I knew I and I've got nothing against them. Like they were both brilliant. Like mm-hmm. I loved them. Yeah. Like and I yeah. liked the other ones as well. Uh, I had it wasn't like I didn't want to watch them. It was just that I, I sort of left it long enough that it wasn't an issue anymore. And then I just sort of kept forgetting about it or not. It wasn't high on my priority list, but I'm, I'm really, really glad that they weren't spoiled for you. I'm, I mean, that's the, that was the most important thing. I just didn't yeah. want them to be spoiled for you. But what, I mean, did you have any holy shit moments in those, in those movies? I mean, they're pretty Oh yeah. I mean, don't there, forget, right? I watched them at home. I'm sure like, watching them in a, in a cinema would have been a lot better, but I watched them loud mm. and at home on a big TV. So to get as much of a cinema experience as I could, but yeah, and it was really good. There were some such like big scenes in them. Just you know, Endgame in particular just led to yeah a lot of unexpected things. Um, I mean, I don't know. Are we going to talk about spoilers? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, we can talk lightly about them. I I just say you know just just kind of highlight some of the things. I mean, you know. For me, for me, Infinity War was was brilliant. I, I loved yeah. seeing it, um, and and it, and the way it focuses on the villain. I thought the mm. amazing thing about Endgame is how it shifted back to 
this five years later scenario. And I, yeah. I, I was, I was in the theater actually with friend of the podcast, Jason Kim, one of our bond reporters, field yeah. agent Kim, I should say. Um, <laughs> Kim, yeah. he, uh, we, we sat in the theater on opening day for end game. And that when that five years later comes up after that kind of that opening epilogue where you see what happens to, to Thanos. Um, I just remember turning to Jason and just going, holy shit this is awesome (laughs) like that whole that like you know you've seen these movies a dozen times these kind of movies a dozen times but it just the way it reinvented the the kind of it just took it into a completely different direction that you just did not expect yeah for me yeah right definitely and just yeah just the scale of it just you know as a person that appreciates like good special effects and everything just the whole scale of it like the huge Mm -hmm. battle scenes at the end just looked awesome just the, yeah. such a good looking film as well and just yeah. you know right amount of action right amount of comedy right amount of emotion um yeah really good really little time travel well. in there as well little time travel in there which yeah. i thought you'd appreciate just a bit of everything um, i know so yeah uh I, it lived up i think to the uh to its hype i think that's yeah. the other thing maybe i was a bit worried that i was going to watch it and i'd be like oh well what i wasn't i was very impressed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Portals, portals. Yeah, it's just I mean, amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did I you just, yeah. did you weep at a certain moment at the uh, demise of a certain character? I might not have wept, but I had a big old bloody lump in my throat. I can tell yeah. you that. Yeah, <laughs> That's I, what I she might said. have had a lip quiver going yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, really good, really good. 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 So, you know, I'm glad. if like me, you put off watching it, just go and watch it because it's good. It's really good. I bloody told you, didn't I? <laughs> I, I? I know what I'm talking about from time to time. <laughs> That's good. Well, what, what else have you been watching other than uh, all of the Marvel movies? Uh, well, I haven't really got through um, many films, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I've started watching, I've sort of started a lot of different things and I'm only a couple of episodes into each one, I guess. But um, so I started series three of Snowpiercer on Netflix. Uh-huh, yep. Because uh, I'm keeping going with that. I've enjoyed, it's not nothing groundbreakingly brilliant, but I've enjoyed the first two series of that. I think I mentioned I can't before. believe that's on season three already. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But that's, so I'm a couple of episodes into that. Um I watched, well, I've started to watch part three of Disenchantment, the animated series mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Netflix as well. Um, That's the Matt Groening one, right? From yeah, Matt Groening, yeah, the medieval sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's as entertaining as it was before. Some really good, funny moments in that. Um, but I need to I need to carry that on, actually. Again, I've only done a couple of episodes of that. Um, and I did, I did watch one film, actually, that, that my wife recommended to me. Um, because she's been watching loads of um, sort of foreign language stuff, mostly like European French stuff, because she's learning French. And mm-hmm. she's been watching exclusively French uh, dramas. But then she watched a Belgian one, uh, which was based on a... Well, there was a series out, but then there was a film that was like a prequel film made about mm-hmm. it. And I think I, I spoke to you about it at the time. But it was called um, Ferry, which is a Netflix film as well. And it's just a sort of mob Was it very based- good? It was very good, yeah, that, like that joke. Um, and <laughs> but yeah, really good. It's well worth a watch. It's a just a sort of, you know, relatively low budget, small cast um, mob film. 
Um, Here's a question for you: Where are you? Where are you renting or watching your your foreign movies over there in the UK? Where do you Where do you find them? Most of that is on um, Netflix. They've right. got a really big library, and it's funny it? because she was um, Carly. This is uh, was looking through like the library. She's basically done every French film and TV series that's possible to watch on wow. um, Netflix. And then I said, "Well, let's look at Prime and stuff as well." And went on to Prime, but there's nowhere near the amount on Amazon Prime. Um, sell them out video uh, yeah have yeah I, I tell you it's a really good uh place i don't know if this app's available it might be worth looking up but there's mm. a there's an app here another streaming app unfortunately but it's called mubi m-u-b-i right and it shows um foreign and independent cinema and it has like a film of the day every day on the app it releases like a new film and uh they're all you know like jean-luc goddard and things like that these kind of movies yeah but lots of classic movies but also lots of like unknown movies that maybe didn't hit the mark okay um and there's there's a lot of good stuff on there but it's interesting to know that netflix is 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 your kind of repository um but prime isn't isn't so much as well that's yeah because we just had a you know as a test that you know it's not like Hmm. i tried other languages but i was looking for french language stuff to see if there's anything else she'd want to watch um because she was just exhausting it all on netflix and um yeah there's just not as much not as much at Hmm. all either that or the, the search function on it is not as good I'll tell you right. the one other thing she did get me to watch and I've watched again it's the first one of a series that came out last year but it's called The Dealer and that's in it's French language okay. I think there's about 10 episodes but they're really short like the first episode's like 9 minutes long and Whoa. each one's about either 10-15 minutes I think you know they're all sort of sub 20 minutes but I think it's probably for the best because it's so tense like the first one's about <laughs> like these guys it's like all filmed from like GoPro type stuff for the first episode. Okay. I don't know if they're all like mm-hmm. that or not. Um, but yeah, it's from the point of view of a cameraman and they're going to this sort of like hood in France. I don't know what part of France it is, but they're going there to like film a, uh, they've been told to go there to buy a record label to film a music video for this gangster guy that's just come out of prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so tense. They arrive and like, they're just ultra violent towards them. And then there's like a shoot. It's just crazy. It's like the first episode is the most 10, 10 minutes, uh, tense 10 minutes of <laughs> where, where did you find the dealer? That's again, that's on Netflix. That's a Netflix. Netflix one. Okay. It's a Netflix original, okay. that one. It's a Netflix series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a good little one to watch. If you've got like, you know, if you want something quick to watch, that's um, really good. Yeah. Stick that on. Cause short episodes like that, you can just have it while you're making having a morning Look at coffee you expanding the minds of the Movie Mouth podcast. Listener, you're usually giving us around this time a Nicolas Cage update, aren't you? This is, uh... <laughs> there's still time. There's still time oh, there's time. The Nicolas Cage klaxon <laughs> might yeah. just go off. What about you? What have you been? Uh, what, um, have you been what have your eyes been oogling? Well, as I said at the top of the pod, it's been quiet at the start of the year for, for mm. new film releases, especially cinematically. Um, we did get away to, uh, when we, we, I was away in, uh, in, in Maryland and Puerto Rico and just kind of getting away from the, the freezing New York temperature over, mm. over January and February. Um, but I managed to get back to the cinema and the first movie that I saw in the cinema was Jackass Forever. Um, <laughs> which is the, the new, uh, obviously Jackass continuation, the fourth movie. Uh, with uh, you know Steve O and Johnny Knoxville and, mm. and Co, um, it was okay. It was funny. You know, we we enjoyed it. It was a good kind of uh, you know movie to go see and reset and not think about the the, the grand picture that's happening in the world at the moment. Um, mm. Not as good as as the old stuff, but uh, you know they're getting old. You know, it's like there's a scene in that with um, 
Preston Lacey, the kind of yeah, rotund the big guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, the big guy, where he uh, shits his pants. Um, oh. And, uh, you know, it kind of just is a scene where he just kind of turns around to the camera and he's like, I'm 51 years old and shitting my pants on camera. <laughs> and it's kind of crazy to think they're in their 50s, you know. 50s, so, yeah, know, yeah they've got a new cast. They've got some new guys in there. Um, they're kind of trying to mix it up a little bit. It was fun. It was, you know, when it, whenever it comes out, it'll be worth a watch and on a Friday night, Saturday night, um, which should be good. Um, just this last week, uh, I went to see a... A movie which interestingly is actually on Netflix. You can you can watch this right now. It's an Italian movie. Uh moving on from your uh your foreign cinema trend, Phil. Mm. Um, which is The Hand of God, which is directed by probably my favorite Italian filmmaker, Paolo Sorrentino. Yeah. Um Paolo Paolo Sorrentino made Youth with Michael Caine. He made The Great Beauty, won the Oscar for The Great Beauty. Um, and, uh, more recently he directed the, uh, Berlusconi movie, Loro, um, parts one and two, which was, which was awesome as well. Mm. Um, this is actually based on his, his, his own life. It's, um, it's about him. Uh, he's changed his name, changed some of the characters names, but about him growing up in, uh, in, in 1980s Naples, um, and about him basically finding his passion to become a filmmaker. So very movie mouth podcast friendly in terms of mm. in terms of content. Um, it's a little, uh, should we say, um, Italian movie uh, sexually explicit, and in some cases a little unusual. Um, but <laughs> you know, it's just directed with just uh, absolute masterclass, brilliant cinematography, um, great a uh, great uh, kind of uh, production value around around Naples and how they made it feel, you know, like it mm. was of its time and amazing cast and very, very funny. The script was just, was, was really funny. Paolo Sorrentino, not always so funny, maybe a little bit dry. And in this case, he was a little bit more broader in the comedy scale, um, which I really, really loved. He also directed, by the way, um, the new Pope, the young Pope, if you saw any of those with Jude Law. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So fans of that would, would, would love that. I actually also saw a Q and a, he, he was at the screening that I went to, um, and kind of talking about, you know, the, the, the movie itself and, you know, where he got the idea from and how he works with actors and all that kind of thing. And I was going to post a transcript on our, on our Instagram for those of you that are interested in hearing what he had to say about movie making. Um, but that was really cool. So check that out on Netflix. You can watch that at home right now. It's called the hand of God. Um, and definitely worth, definitely worth a watch. Uh, on the TV front, I watched a lot of TV with all the traveling and so on and the COVID mm -hmm. and, and all that, all that good stuff. Um, have you, have you seen, have you watched much on Apple TV? Do you have Apple TV? At all? I do not have Apple TV. No, you don't. Okay. No, yeah, I have it's, access to it, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't have It's weird. A lot of people have access to it. A lot of people have it because, you know, when you buy an iPhone, they give you like a free subscription or whatever, but a lot of yeah. people I talk to don't, it doesn't seem to be as, you know, um, urgent as a lot of the other platforms like the Netflix. No, but, I mean, I know they have their own originals. They've sort of started pushing their own original films and yeah. stuff now, haven't they? Like the, um, what was the most recent one I sort of wanted to watch was the well, I mean, uh, Tom Hanks one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all, it's all original really. Um, it's all, it's all original content that they're making. It's, it's not like, a it's not like a Netflix or an Amazon where they actually have bought other shows to, to put on there and other platforms. You can mm. you have access to things like Amazon and, and stars and all this kind of stuff through there, but it's only its own, its own content. Right. Um, so I've watched a ton of that just because I exhausted all the other, the other platforms. Um, 
uh, I, I did get around to watching uh, Servant, which is the M. Night Shyamalan uh, series, um, which is deeply disturbing uh, about a, a, you know, kind of uh, young um, husband and wife whose child passes away um, in childbirth and is replaced by a rubber doll um, when Bloody a... Hell. Yeah, when a when a, a, a kind of live-in uh, babysitter comes to to stay with them to take care of this this rubber doll, um, and it's really really quite quite disturbing, but you know fairly gripping. Um, I also uh, I also did manage to to get around to watching the morning show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, which season one of which was absolutely awesome. It's this kind of you know post Me Too movement film about uh, sexual harassment in the workplace and what's, you know, what's, um, you know, how it's viewed from different standpoints. Uh, Steve Carell starring in that as well. Yeah. Uh, really, really liked season one of that season two, I, I think fell a little flat perhaps in the wake of COVID didn't really seem to hit the high notes of the, the second of the first season. Um, and something else, which we're going to be reviewing later in the show. Um, I'll, I'm going to skip over some of the things that I did watch. I did pick up, I did watch the entirety of Reacher on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, which is um, you know the uh, the Alan Richardson starring uh, show around the first book, The Killing Floor. Have you read any of the the Lee Child Reacher books? I have not. No, no. I f- I feel like you'd really like them. Yeah, I, I think I'd like them. Yeah, yeah. You enjoyed The Martian. Did you read The Martian? I did read The Martian. Yeah, kind of kind of like The Martian, except not on Mars. Where it's like, there's this guy on Earth who needs to kind of basically life hack his way out of every situation, usually resulting mm. in him ripping someone's eyeball out or uh, <laughs> someone's arm off or something. But um, uh, you would have seen the Tom Cruise movies. This follows the same vein, but obviously, it, it Star isn't five foot eight. It is he is actually six foot five, just like Reacher himself. Um, and it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Still, nothing crucial in Amazon TV. I'm finding though, nothing really, uh, nothing that urgent to watch. Uh, but the two shows, and I am going to wrap this up. But the two shows that I've watched that I absolutely loved so far this year. Um, no surprises to our Instagram followers. Peacemaker on HBO Max, mm. uh, which is not I know not out in the UK. Yeah, yet, lucky Phil's, you. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, uh, it's here in the States. I'm sure it's going to come out in the UK at some point. But this is uh, James Gunn, who returns following his successful take on The Suicide Squad. Um, this show is written uh, by him and mostly directed by him. And of course, it stars John Cena reprising his role as Peacemaker from The Suicide Squad, the, the movie that came out you know, last year. Um, a character that, to be honest, was okay in the movie, but I was a bit whatever about seeing a, a show about. Yeah. Um, but. This is really fucking good. Uh, I absolutely loved Peacemaker. It's very un-PC, gory. It's got that kind of over-the-top, you know, self, um, self-aware self humor. Uh, it's got a rock and roll soundtrack. It's definitely not a cool show. There's nothing cool about it, but mm. it doesn't give a fuck. It's really, really good. I think you're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. Yeah, I really want um, to see it. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. Um, so we'll, we'll keep you updated, UK listeners, when that comes out in the UK. But obviously, US, list, US listeners, you can stream that right now on HBO Max. Season two, by the way, has just been confirmed. Also, with James Gunn coming back to direct all episodes, I believe. Yeah. Um, so check that out. And the other one, I have to thank our oft, often or part-time co-host, 
Sean Chrysanthu, special guest on the, uh, uh, the on the 2021 uh, look back episode uh, on our last episode, who mentioned watching Peter Flanagan's follow up to the Haunting of Hill House Blind Manor show on Netflix, which is Midnight Mass. Um, Sean, based on your recommendation, man, I got to thank you because it's an absolute masterpiece, isn't it? Um, Hamish Linklater comes comes in as a Standout performer, he's a priest, basically who arrives on a small American island to cover for the outgoing elderly priest who previously united the community. This sounds really dry when I say it, um, but it's it, it just it talks on so many different levels. It's it's a work of pure genius. Um, somehow it takes a really tired formula, which we've all seen, and I won't detail here as Sean didn't rightly so on our previous podcast for any spoilers. But when you see it, it will all become clear as to what genre this falls into but it, it he re, peter flanagan really makes this so fresh it's madness beautiful beautiful visceral gory disturbing definitely kept me awake at night um and uh, i absolutely loved it so if you've got netflix and you'd like things a little creepy a little scary then i i absolutely recommend midnight mass please go and watch that uh, cool. I'm sure I've watched like 4,000 other things, but um, we're going to move on. <laughs> we had a long time to catch up with. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, I guess probably the only place to start in the news is with some some sad news, right, Phil? Indeed, yeah. And that is the uh, news that came in about the passing of Ivan Reitman, uh, which was uh, in uh, mid-February. For, on Valentine's Day, I think it was. Um. So yeah, that's real sad because especially mm. you know we we had we'd done our Ghostbusters special and you know we'd really I think all enjoyed um, Ghostbusters Afterlife um, yeah. and I'd watched a lot more you know I'd, I'd sort of been in Ghostbusters mode so I'd watched a lot of um, I've watched a lot of sort of documentary stuff with mm. him in it. He just seemed like a really nice guy and uh, clearly knew what he was doing. Um, made some absolutely fantastic films. Um, so yeah, it was sad to see that he'd passed away at the age of um, seventy-five. I think he was. Um, yeah, but I'm hoping, you know, Jason can continue his legacy and mm. sort of do his dad proud, which I'm sure he did. With uh, it's probably you know it's just great that I guess that he got to see Jason do something as big as Ghostbusters Afterlife as well. So yeah, so yeah, sad news about Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Yeah, really sad. I, and it's strange how, and also fortunate how he's been so prominent in recent years, the last couple of years in particular, because of him collaborating with his son, Jason, on the, the Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel. Yeah. And the fact that he was, you know, kind of front and foremost, a lot of the press and um, the Q&As they would do together. And, you know, he was on set every day, as far as I'm aware. Uh, he was very heavily involved as as um, as part of that as part of that movie. So it was a real real shock when it happened. You know, straight straight after the almost straight after the release of that film. Um, but you know, obviously a huge influence on you and I when it comes to movie making. You know, from oh yeah, fr- from my perspective, probably told this story a dozen times. But Ghostbusters that he obviously directed uh, was the the first video vhs that that i had when i was probably about three or four years old my parents had laying around and you know my parents wrongly assuming it was a kid's movie and uh, you know i guess that was to blame for my love of of movies and comedy and 
and my you know sheer terror of fucking ghosts. So thanks for that, Ivan. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think on on top of it all, how interesting it is that you know, no spoilers, but the end of Ghostbusters Afterlife now is even more you know apt when it comes to you know the truth around missing a father. Um, yeah. So you know, sad, but as you say, also a really nice bookend to his life and his career and um yeah like you said let's hope jason continues on and uh and continues to make him proud yeah i'm sure he will what else you got for us um yeah so also in the news um something i want your opinion on right to see if you think it's um i don't know if you've heard about this but basically Movie theatre chain AMC, which we don't have over here in the UK. Well, not, I don't think so anyway. Well, they do own their own Odeon. Oh, well, there you are then. So we do in a yep. way. But I don't yep. think they're doing what I'm about to talk about over here. Well, not that I've heard of. But it's the story that AMC, the movie chain, the movie theatre chain, is charging more on a ticket price for people to see the Batman than they are for other films that are out at the moment. And now this is supposedly mm. in a bid to recoup some of the money that obviously they've lost during the, the pandemic and not being able to open. But yeah. I I don't think that's right. I don't think you should personally, I, you know, I can see that they need to recoup some cash, but is it right to like pick one film as a premium film over others and know that more people are going to want to see it so then charge more to go and see that? I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. No. Um, I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's it's down to the the movie chain themselves. I'm actually just, funny enough, I'm just looking at my app to, to, to compare prices. Now, one thing I would say about AMC here in the US, which is, as you say, is the most prominent, uh, you know, theater chain that you that's over here, um, is that they, they do offer uh, an AMC pass which is called the AMC Stubbs A-List, which basically enables you to watch three films a week for around $20, something like that. Hmm. Um, now, movies here in the US, I'd say they're usually ticket prices in, in New York, so obviously it's probably more expensive here, usually around $16, $17, something like that. Okay. Um, when I booked my Batman tickets, uh, I just booked them, I booked them for free, but on the ticket itself, it showed the price, which... I didn't actually look out, but my girlfriend was like, holy shit, these, this was expensive if we hadn't have got our, a, our A-list uh, ticket price. $28. Whoa, that's yeah. a big difference. I mean, in the news article, it says um, they're classing it as variable pricing for tickets. Um, mm. And they've said that it will be uh, a slightly higher price. But that is not a slightly higher price. That's a big difference. <laughs> it is. It is for sure. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I'm not, I, I really don't think I agree with that. I don't think you should be charging people more because they you know that the demand's going to be higher for that film. I think that's not on really. No, no, I, it, it, it doesn't. I think one thing that they, they have done well over the years with variable pricing is they've they basically offer discounts on midday shows or early day shows. So... When you go into the app, for example, you go to their website, you can see where earlier showings have 30% off the ticket price. Okay. So there is, there, is, there, is, there is also the flip side incentive to that. But of course, if they're charging a premium, 
for people to watch certain films, then that 30% off doesn't really mean mean very much. But it, it does apply in most cases. So they do they do try incentives to try and get people to go and, and watch films. Um, but I, I find it, I definitely find it sad. I also find it difficult with AMC to be able to find the right kind of indie content or lower budget content in, in most screens. Um, it is quite heavily drawn towards the big budget and the the big studio films so as you yeah. know a lot of the main chains are in in europe and the uk as well i know um but you know i was i was really excited to see studio 666 the new foo fighters kind of horror comedy um yeah. but it wasn't showing in my in my local uh theater this week it was showing last week but then it kind of just disappeared i think it's um, out for a very limited time that film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but you know e- even so um kind of annoying kind of a shame yeah give people so, a chance to watch it definitely definitely i don't know whether higher ticket prices are going to incentivize people to go back and, and and watch and go to the cinema when they know full well you know the likes of warner brothers have been releasing all of their movies on hbo max the same day as theatrical releases so yeah i guess they're trying to combat that um but no, I mean, sorry, I've kind of run away with your news item, but it is it is interesting. No, it's fine. Uh, it was more uh, I wanted to see your um, what you thought about that, really. But yeah, I, I would say that if you you know if you're a cinema goer here in the US and you know you want to get bang for your buck, and the chances are this year um, we're going to be able to get back into the cinema more, you know, with you know higher rates of um, of of um, vaccination against COVID. Um, and more lenient rules around around social distancing that it's probably worth looking at some of these you know AMC stubs movie passes and things like that that a lot of the big chains are, are offering mm-hmm. um, but also not to forget you know how important it is to support your local smaller independent movie theater um, you know we can think of a, we can think of probably dozens you know in the UK and dozens here in the US that we that we absolutely love so make sure you are supporting them you know don't sit at home yeah. Go go out, get up off your couch, go watch a movie and pay for it. Um, and if you can pay cheaper and go to a independent cinema, then go do that, please. 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 <laughs> please. Um, do you want my other bit of news? Mm. Yeah, go on then. So <laughs> this is the um the news that a Harry Houdini movie is in development at Paramount Studios. Houdini! <laughs> Houdini! Houdini! Yeah. Houdini! Uh, I knew we were going to do that. Um, such nerds, Miles. Such I know. Nerds. Star I Wars it. nerds. And I love of it. Of course, that was a Jawa from the <laughs> Star Wars franchise. <laughs> just, for, just for those people out there that don't get the in-joke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yes, the uh, a film about the legendary escape artist and illusionist Harry Houdini is in development at Paramount, courtesy of Transformers producers Lorenzo Di Bonaventura and Mark mm-hmm. Veradian. Um, so that, yeah, that's interesting. I think it, it could make a um, a really interesting sort of biopic film because um, he was quite a character, wasn't he? Um, he was quite a character. Who would you have he, play him? Oh, I mean, have they released any casting for this? He's no, they haven't. But hmm. there's a lot of uh, he's been played uh, in various 
you know, uh, smaller like TV documentary stuff by people like Adrian Adrian Brody. I think played him for mm, a bit, which that's I thought right. was probably that's a really right. good fit. Um, and yeah, I just think that I don't know. It's hard to know who would work. I think he was recently played by Guy Pierce um, as well in a. A small thing, but yeah, it's also a very good casting. Maybe, a, yeah, maybe a Cumberbatch. Could be Cum- yeah, Cumberbatch, he would work. I, I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? But I think apparently um, there's been like a uh, something on the cards for quite a while, uh, starring Ben Affleck uh, at oh, Disney uh, with huh. regards to Harry Houdini. But there's there's been sort of no that's been sort of static for quite a long time. So Paramount have obviously thought, well, we'll try and get something out, <laughs> yeah. something out first. So. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's quite good. I think I could think that could be a really interesting biopic. Definitely. Yeah. But I, thought I, wonder, that was... I wonder who would, who they would get to direct. It does sound, you know, it does it does um, it does sound kind of Christopher Nolan esque. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? It could be. I mean, he's obviously currently working on uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Around the the movie that the movie of the the birth of the uh, atomic bomb. Um, yeah. But it does sound, you know, obviously. I guess following on from the prestige, um, and you know what the first part. <laughs> oh God, it's called, go. don't you? <laughs> the first part. That's called the pledge. The third part. That's called the turn. Oh God. The third part. That's called the prestige. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, but, don't go where I can't follow, Mr. Bruce. No, he never said that, did he? <laughs> he never said that. Was he in Lord um, of the Rings as Samwise Gamgee? I would have paid to have seen that. Don't um, go where I can't follow, Mr. Rodos. Potatoes. Only supposed to blow the bloody ring up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's the fact that uh, they've gone for, they've said it'll be set, obviously, in the early 20th century and have a Sherlock Holmes tone. Oh God, Cumbersnatch then. Well, possibly. Um, mm-hmm. And they said that given that it's coming from the producer of the Transformers films, this will likely be closer in tone to the Robert Downey Jr. iteration of Sherlock Holmes than the okay. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle but, original. But, but Harry Houdini was a real man, whereas yeah. Sherlock Holmes was not. <laughs> so how? So what they're trying to do, maybe make some kind of swashbuckling Harry Houdini you know, solving crimes type thing. Like they did with, um, <laughs> didn't they do like a, um, a Sigmund Freud murder mystery book I read years ago. I can't remember what the really? hell it was called. Maybe something like that. Harry Houdini, you know, kind of involved in some kind of crime thriller-ish type, you know, Dan Brown style mystery, national yeah. treasure type thing. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Get Nicholas Cage as Houdini. <laughs> <laughs> the bees, the bees. <laughs> what should we escape? The bees. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that put him in a bee helmet and let's 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 watch him as Harry Houdini. A bee helmet. Yeah, that's my news. That's my news. Well, uh, what if I said this, Phil? Mm. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <gasps> oh, I've heard about this. Say it three times, and word is that. Brad Pitt's production company, Plan B, is now aboard a production of a Beetlejuice sequel starring Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder returning 
as the ghost with the most and uh, Lydia Dietz, respectively. So no no word yet on whether Tim Burton, who directed the original, will be returning to direct this one. No doubt he's probably a little bored of hearing about whether there'll be another Beetlejuice sequel, but I don't know. I feel like Beetlejuice, you can't really age Beetlejuice. He's already dead. So, yeah. and, you know, Michael Keaton's kind of going through a bit of a ketonescence right now. He's <laughs> he coming back as Bruce Wayne in the Flash movie. Mm. Um, so we're going to be seeing him soon. And obviously due to our Movie Mouth Video Store Corner uh, watch this week, uh, I'm kind of down for a little a little more Keaton in my life. I don't know about you. I love you. that. I love Michael yeah? Keaton. I think he's brilliant. Me too. Yeah. Have you watched Beetlejuice recently? Um, ish. Ish. Right. In the last two years, I'd say, I think I've watched mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love Beetlejuice. Freaked me the hell out when I was little. It is... An incredible movie. It's kind it's of brilliant. weird. It's brilliant. But... <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's so odd. But I love it. Yeah. I love, uh, I just love, yeah, I was so freaked out about it. Mainly, I remember being, the the whole thing, if, as soon as you take Beetlejuice to me, do you know what, you know what scene comes to my head? Shrunken head. In... Shrunken no, head. No, weirdly <laughs> not. It's when they're, it, they're going through the corridors, Alec Baldwin and, mm. um, what's her name? Um, Gina Davis. Help me. Yeah, Gina Davis. Uh, and, you know, like, he gets his face stretched out and he's like a crocodile. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. That. It's that. And she gets, he... I can't remember what happens to her, but when they're walking around, he's got, like, the checked uh, black and white shirt on, hasn't he? Like, yes. I see, this, I'm just, this is so vividly coming back to me, just like, and they, they meet that, like, dead American football team in, like, the corridor. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's just, right. Yeah, that's, that's what, I, I think it's great. I love that film. That's such a weird scene. He looks like one of the spies from the old video game, Spies versus Spy. Spy yeah. versus Spy. You know what I mean? That long yeah. Alec Baldwin face. I guess yeah. it's unlikely that Baldwin's going to, you know, return to his role in this um, mm. with the, you know, obviously recent sad news. Um, but we will, we shall see. Uh, but we'll keep you updated on this one. Love a bit of Beetlejuice. And as my girlfriend often tells me, now that I have long covid pandemic here every morning i wake up i look like beetlejuice so really? kind of kind of down for a little more beetlejuice in my yeah. life why not anything to to back me up you need to dye your um, hair green a bit we'll get a green yeah moss I, do you know what your like, i did that um i did the uh marv costume for halloween last year yeah. i think it's got it's got to be beetlejuice this year yeah I think it's, definitely so we'll, we'll wait and see um yeah all right, well, look, I've got some double Steven Spielberg news for you, kind of. Double Spielbergo? Double, <laughs> double L Spielbergo. Brilliant. The first is that Steven Spielberg has just optioned a movie to direct starring the Frank Bullitt character, which those of you who will remember um, is, of course, the character that Steve McQueen played in mm-hmm. the Bullitt movie uh, back in the 60s, which was an awesome movie. Um the original movie found Bullet overseeing the protection of a mob mob, mob witness. Uh, he was kind of uh, he had these kind of um, uh, uh, political aspirations, uh, and then the, the kind of witness gets targeted by hitmen, and so it probably more of the same, like a kind of thriller um, in in line with the typical Spielberg type movie. But if you can imagine it set back in that period of time, mm. don't think you've seen West Side Story yet, Phil? Is that right? No, I haven't. But for what he does with that period, or any kind of period, um, could be amazing. Especially with the the you know Janusz Kaminski coming back and 
doing his uh, his usual thing on cinematography duties. Could look really cool seeing mm-hmm. seeing Bullet driving around. Um, so we'll see who who he who he gets for that. Um, but that that could be interesting. That one's sat with Warner Brothers right now, uh, and we'll follow up his next movie, The Fablemans, which is his autobiographical movie uh, about his own upbringing, kind of in line with The Hand of God, Paolo Sorrentino's movie, right. Um, and in other news as well, uh, Indy 5 has rap shooting. So according to the Twitter account of producer Frank Marshall, this one sees Harrison Ford returning as history teacher relic hunter Indiana Jones at the ripe old age of 70 fucking nine. Man, um, he's hunting crazy. himself. He's, he's his own relic. He, he is. He's his own antique. <laughs> That's the film. Uh, he finds himself. Yeah. I found it. Weird. Yeah. Um, I found it. I found myself. Uh, you chose wisely. Um, <laughs> this is directed for the first time by someone other than El Spielbergo himself. This one falls into the very capable hands of director James Mangold of the Wolverine, Ford vs. Ferrari, and Walk the Line fame. Mm. Uh, it's also starring Thomas Kretschmann, Mads Mikkelsen, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, and Antonio Banderas. Uh, and happily, Ooh. will also feature the music of the wonderful John Williams. Oh, yeah. Um, it's due to release on June 30th, 2023. How do you feel about indie coming back for one more adventure, Phil? I'm always up for a bit of indie. I think <clears throat> we've talked about it before, but I think, can, um, you know, Crystal Skull was a bit... Shit. Nah, I don't, I don't see it as shit as much as other people see it. I just enjoyed it as a bit of an adventure film. Have you it watched good. it recently? Yeah, last year. <laughs> I watched Jesus it again. Um, it's not great. It isn't, but mm. it's also fun. Um, I do hate Shia LaBeouf's character, though, in that. Is he uh, back yeah, in the new swinging one? through the trees with the monkeys scene was yeah. Is he regrettable. Back in the, is he back in the new one? No, he's not in the cast list. He's Weird. not in the cast list. I'll tell you what is interesting. I, I looked through the cast list today, and I saw Thomas Kretschmann in there. Thomas mm. Kretschmann, <clears throat> German actor, I believe. Um, I haven't seen him in a lot of things since Peter Jackson's King Kong, when he was the mm. the kind of um, the captain of the ship that takes him to Skull Island. But anyway, Thomas oh, Kretschmann, yeah. interesting profile. Looks kind of similar to a young Harrison Ford. Mm. Check him out, ladies and gentlemen. If you listen to this, check out Thomas Kretschmann on uh, on IMDb and tell me that he doesn't have something of a of a Harrison Ford about him. So I do wonder what they're going to be doing with this movie. I also love Mads Mikkelsen, so it's great to I see Lashif. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, you love Mac. I love Mac. I love Mac. Uh, uh, Mac's also in this from Predator. He'll be shaving <laughs> You himself. son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Interested to see it. We'll figure out whether or not it's any good, I guess, when it comes out. Uh, end of the news story. Let's jump into trailers, Phil. Are you trailers. going to be taking? Are you going to be commuting anywhere recently? I was going to take uh, the bullet train. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was going to try and link that in with your bullet story earlier, but it was too late. No um, bullets. The bullets. Yeah. So this is the um, Brad Pitt, uh, Sandra Bullock, and Aaron Taylor Johnson starring film that I mentioned. Uh, last year uh, about it, the delay of it, uh, the delay of its release, but the um, the trailer was released a couple of days ago, wasn't it? It was very recently. It was, I think it was mm-hmm. yesterday or the day before. Yep. 
And so this is, I'll give you a very quick synopsis. So this is uh, Brad Pitt playing trained killer Ladybug. Great character name. Uh, he wants to give up the life, um, but is pulled back in by his handler, Maria Beetle, in order to collect <laughs> <laughs> a briefcase on a bullet train heading from Tokyo to Morioka. Uh, once on board, he and the other competing assassins on board discover that their objectives are all connected. The trailer just looks like it's going to be just really good fun. Funny. It's just that sort of John Wick. It looks like sort of John Wick, but more funny. Doesn't it? Correct. It, uh, and obviously just set on a train. <laughs> yeah. It definitely um, has that it definitely has that kind of neo John Wick kind of vibe, doesn't it? That original kind of lighting and all that kind of good stuff. But the comedy yeah. aspect of Deadpool 2, which David Leach directed. Yeah, that we Dead, Deadpool 2 and Atomic yep. Blonde, Fast and Furious. Uh, I think he did like the Hobbs and Shaw one, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, it just looks like it's gonna it's it's right up my street, this kind of film. Just good fun, action. Brad Pitt is always good. Um, yeah, I like I like how he seems kind of in throughout it kind of nonplussed by the whole thing. His character, yeah. uh, Ladybug, yeah, um, kind of kind of looks quite interesting. Whereas John Wick is obviously you know regretfully pulled back into you know murdering <laughs> massive amounts of people. <laughs> um, Brad Pitt kind of seems a little bit forlorn and rough around the edges and kind of like oh, if I have to kind of thing. There's a yeah. scene where he's fighting with Aaron Taylor Johnson, yeah, and he's just like. Would you rather just like sit down and talk? Yeah, you sure know, you don't want to just talk this out? <laughs> yeah. No. So it does look it does look awesome. So yeah, I mean, looking forward to it. When does this one come out, Phil? Uh that comes out on July 15th in the US. So uh yeah. And that's cinema, is it? Looks like cinema, yes. Yeah. Cinema exclusive. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. It's a really nice um like looking cinematography in it as well when they're like the trains yes. pulling into the station lots of like tokyo uh neon colorful lights and nice lighting sort of like wet platforms and just lots of rough yeah just it all you looks do love nice. a wet platform don't you i love feel? a wet platform in tokyo yes <laughs> oh dear oh dear um let me ask you a question phil go on have you seen the trailer for Netflix's Cliff Beasts 6, Battle for Everest, Memories of a Requiem? I can't say I have, no. <laughs> what a shame. Go check Cliff. it out. Because it's a movie starring Karen Gillan, Pedro Pascal, of oh. Mando fame, yeah. Keegan-Michael Key, uh, A.A. Ron, David Duchovny, Rob Delaney, Peter Serafinowicz, Maria Blimey. Bakalova, and directed by Judd Apatow. Wow. This sees our heroes returning on April 1st on Netflix for the sixth installment of the People vs. Flying Dinosaur movie franchise. Except it isn't. It's not a movie at all. It is, in fact, a genius marketing ploy from Judd Apatow and Netflix, as they will, in fact, be releasing Judd Apatow's new movie, The Bubble, on April 1st, about the cast and crew of this fictional film getting stuck in a production bubble during a global pandemic and having to quarantine in a hotel on filming location. This is based on the very public issues that Jurassic World Dominion ran into while director Colin Trevorrow was running the production during the early stages of the global COVID pandemic. Mm. 
So Judd Apatow basically sat down and said, hmm, there's a movie here somewhere. Well, Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum and Chris Pratt are sitting in a hotel, probably screaming at each other and throwing <laughs> their own fecal matter across the room. Um, decided to create a movie. Interestingly and ironically, this will see a release before the next Jurassic World movie comes out. So this has not only been <laughs> thought up, incepted, devised, created, produced, acted, and published, um, but it's also going to beat the Jurassic World movie that it's kind of based on wow. uh, and will be riffing on. So this looks really fun. And anything starring Peter Serafinowicz gets our vote. He's yes. amazing. And he's brilliant. My impression of most people is based on his impressions of people, uh, his incredible impressions, my terrible ones. Um, so Peter Serafinowicz is incredible. So The Bubble is going to be released on Netflix on April 1st globally. Um, but yeah, go check out that trailer for Cliff Beast 6 Battle for Everest Memories of a Requiem because it looks <laughs> insane. And uh, the show, the, the movie looks even better. So yeah. Cool. Any updates from Nick Cage Corner, Phil, this, this week? <laughs> Do you know what? No. <laughs> oh. No, I'm sure there's some Nick Cage news somewhere. He's been um, up to something. I'm sure he's been up to something. Yeah. Well, when was that, keep us when was that film really? coming out? The, the unbearable weight of massive talent. I want to I see don't it. know, but I'm so excited to see it. Me too. Uh, it's, it's a movie that has yet to be seen. What's it called? The unbearable weight of massive talent. I think so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, let's, let's have a look here. Through the wonder of live entertainment, we can find out exactly when this movie will be released. Uh, April 22nd, oh, 2022. Not long. not long. Nick Cage and our friend Pedro Pascal from The Bubble. Yeah. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, yeah. Coming out. There seems to be uh, in the cinema. Cool. So, yeah. Interesting one. Okay. April 22nd. Phil, please do keep us updated on the whereabouts of Nicolas Cage and whatever he may be doing. I will. Chewing, destroying, shouting at. As, <laughs> as he licking. is so. Licking, probably licking something, isn't he, right now? Yeah. Bees. Um, be <laughs> ah, the bees, the bees. Okay. Um, let's jump into some spoiler-free reviews for the listeners, shall we, Phil? Yeah, go on then. All right. Well, bear with me, folks. There's only one place to start, really, and that, of course, is with Arbats himself. Yes, it's another Batman. Yes, it's another rogues galley of Batman villains you've seen before. But why is Matt Reeves the Batman worth seeing? Well, this completely new Batman ventures into Gotham City's underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues as the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plans become clear he must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit, and bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long plagued the, plagued the metropolis. The Batman might not be the most urgently in-demand reboot of all time, but maybe that lack of expectation makes it more appealing. And it's here where the subversive power of a comic book movie posing as a deranged detective thriller really comes good. So out goes the alien invasions that we've seen in the Zack Snyder DC Universe movies that you will have seen recently, uh, and the super team-ups with you know Superman, uh, Wonder Woman, etc. In comes melancholy, depression, 
rain-soaked streets of Gotham, and a neo-noir Batman voiceover leading us from crime scene to crime scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, not your typical superhero movie. Um, this is basically a detective caper. In fact, there's little to no uh, action in this to speak of. There is some, uh, but very minimal elements mm-hmm. of, of action. Um, where shall I start? Maybe start with Robert Pattinson. Um, he yeah. He's Bruce Wayne. He's Batman. Uh, he is kind of emo he's a little he's a little miserable i'm not gonna lie he's um, looked at it from the trailers i've seen mm, he looks a bit emo he's got his curtains yeah it's interesting because they use that they use the, the something in the way the nirvana song uh in the trailer which you, mm. you probably remember yeah uh, they use that throughout this movie as well um into to really good effect by the way but it, it it is a very uh kind of slapdash way of literally slapping you in the face and saying this Bruce Wayne is basically Kurt Cobain. He's sad. Um, and <laughs> therefore you kind of, you kind of fall more into the, the character. I would say that this is the first time I've seen a, a Batman Bruce Wayne combo where they're kind of the same person. There's no real juxtaposition between Batman and Bruce as okay. you typically see. Um, we'll, yeah. And we'll come on to a perfect example of that later in, in the episode. Um, but all, all I would say is, is that one of Batman's superpowers isn't just the fact that he's a millionaire. It's also the fact that he pretends to be a happy, uh, multi-billionaire, uh, that, you know, fornicates and lives his life the way he wants to live it. This is completely different. Uh, Robert Pattinson is basically Edward from Twilight, all grown up and not glowing as much, but definitely gloomy as much. Um, and you know, kind of hanging out in dark corners of his house and, you know, he's got like kind of that black Batman mascara guy liner running down his cheeks for most of it. Um, I found that a little hard to get into. I found it a little too mopey for me. I found it a little bit too, uh, you know, emo. I, and I love emo, so it's kind of weird, but hmm. it doesn't really break, uh, you know, break out into any, you know, rays of sunshine at any point. Um, the rest of the cast, really interesting, nice ensemble of, of players here. Zoe Kravitz, uh, coming in as Selena Kyle, who you'll know as Catwoman, um, Colin Farrell here in heavy prosthesis. I would say the most prosthesis you've seen since Robin Williams dressed up as Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, <laughs> Hello. but in this case, uh, he is playing Oswald Cobblepot, who of course you'll know as, uh, the Penguin. Um, Mm. and also Paul Dano, uh, as the Riddler, uh, fully gimped, gimp suited up that you have seen in the trailer. I won't go too much into his character, but, um, probably, you know, the most effective, uh, villain in this. Um, it also comes along with a friend of the podcast, Andy Serkis as the butler, Alfred. So out goes Michael Caine, in comes Andy Serkis. And of course, the parallel there is that this is directed by Matt Reeves, who was the director of Cloverfield, uh, Let Me In, which was the remake of Let the Right One In, the vampire movie, and of course, Dawn slash War of the Planet of the Apes, starring Andy mm. Serkis as Caesar. Um, so, you know, you will know if you've seen those movies that they, they're dark, you know, they're, they're shot really well, they're epic in scale, and there's no, no difference here. Um, so... I mentioned before, not a lot of action. There is, I will say, 
a really great car chase with the new Batmobile, which is, you know, mu- very muscle car centric, if you've yeah. seen it. Um, yeah. If anyone plays Rocket League, by the way, uh, it's very Rocket League. It has a massive booster on the back and it does fly at some point. So um, I'll pretty let you cool. know now. It's available to buy in Rocket League as well. <laughs> Not sponsored by Rocket League or Epic <laughs> Games in any way, by the way. But Phil and I do play a lot of Rocket League, if anyone's yeah. on there. Um, so yeah, very, very, uh, very cool uh, car chase uh, involving the, the, the Batmobile right in the middle of the movie, which I was probably the one time that I felt my heart pumping during the film. Um, there's also a scene with a Batwing suit, uh, which I would say is, was, was cool. Um, this is strange. This, this movie is strange because it doesn't so much start with, uh, you know, it reintroducing us to the character. There's no, you know, um, Tom and Martha Wayne walking out of a theater, getting gunned down and pearl, a pearl necklace being severed and falling into a puddle with neon lights there. And oh. ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight being said. It's uh, it, it, it kind of drops us right in uh, to Batman being Batman, which is which is cool because we've seen that a dozen times. Very similar to how Spider Man Homecoming did it in the MCU, where Spider Man is just Spider Man. We didn't see him get bit by a Spider. He's just Spider Man. Just, just um, Spider Man. Yeah, um, but you know, obviously, that's a fun, hilarious movie. There are very few laughs to be had here. There are a lot of David Fincher comparisons in this film. So as you all know, Phil, my favorite film director, David Fincher, um, Matt Reeves really taking the lead from, from Fincher to create the Batman Fincher movie. Um, Seven, Zodiac, Fight Club, you know, these are movies that there are a lot of parallels from. In particular, Seven, the detective movie starring Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, Mm. uh, a film where it constantly rains in a nondescript US city. It's the same thing here. It basically almost never stops raining in this film. Um, Looks awesome in in parallel with a lot of Fincher movies. It also has that um, Fight Club level clash between oppressors and the oppressed and how the oppressed wish to rise up. Um, Very similar to how 2019's Joker did it, which you'll remember, you know, someone that's that's oppressed and and cast aside in society um, wants to, you know, create a, a movement. Um, so for fans of, of Fincher, you're basically going to see David Fincher's Batman movie, um, shot by Gre- uh, Greg, uh, Greg Fraser, who, who obviously shot, uh, Rogue One and more recently Dune, a film that we both love the look of Phil, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Greg Fraser returning here to, to shoot this one it looks awesome. Uh, Michael Giacchino, probably the busiest composer in, uh, in, in, in film right now comes in to score this one. Um, I read somewhere, I'm going to steal this from another reviewer, but I read somewhere how his, his new theme for Batman is this weird kind of four chord warning. Um, so you basically hear this kind of dum, 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 dum. And it's a bit like a Jaws theme. It's, it's basically, uh, the ominous undertone that Batman is going to appear and terrorize hoodlums and criminals in Gotham at any moment. Right. Really cool. Works yeah. really well. And I love that. I loved how they, how they use that. And I'm sorry for not being able to reference who, who said that, but I think whoever it was just absolutely nailed that. Um, the, the Batman, you know, it's, it's a love letter to the hero's origin. Um, it's, you know, he, he basically is supposed to be the world's greatest detective, not, you know, some, you know, pumped up action hero running around with guns, killing people, um, which is something that I think has been forgotten by recent Batman uh, installments. 
Um, but Matt Reeves' film serves as a reminder to all what the D in DC actually stands for. Uh, and for that, um, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed this, I have to say. Mm. It sort of sounds like it's... Um... Because, yeah, I'm intrigued about this because I, I remember, you know, I've, I've watched the trailers and stuff, but it sort of feels like it's um, like L.A. Noir meets Batman. Like people that know, like the game L.A. Noir that yeah. came out years ago, which is like a, what was that, 20s? Set? No, when was it set? Uh, it the 20s, I think it was, was it? it was 40s, later 50s. Yeah, 40s, it was after 50s, World yeah. War Two. Yeah. Yeah, sort of detective uh, game. It sort of sounds like it's L.A. Noir meets Batman. It is. And 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 I think noir is actually the perfect word to sum up this film. I mean, it's got that, you know, that uh, that diary uh, read by Robert Pattinson throughout the film. You um, know, kind of similar to Rorschach in Watchmen. If anyone yeah. ever watched that, mm-hmm. um, it's got that kind of constant driving tone. Interrogation scenes that you will have seen in other Batman movies are kind of, you know, taken in in other directions here. Um, but yeah, it's definitely that corrupt cops. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's really good. I mean, I would say that I'm, I'm the target audience for this because I absolutely love David Fincher movies. I'm a big Matt Reeves fan. Um, I'm a big Giacchino fan. I'm a big Greg Fraser fan. Um, I would say that it, it, the one thing it kind of did to me is make me want to see a David Fincher Batman movie. (laughs) You know, it's, it, it definitely is kind of, um, you know, uh, an ode love letter to, to the films of David Fincher, but it did really kind of make me want to see it. And I think for that, I, I kind of fall short of the typical all out. I absolutely recommend this. I loved it type. Didn't want to go straight back and see it. Didn't want to yeah. go back to the theater and see it straight away. It is three hours long. So it's a, mm. it's a long film. Um, but it is, it's not anything new, but it isn't continuing on in the same vein as all these other superhero movie, movies that you've seen recently. So, right. Um, yeah, and, I mean, you know, I've kind of alluded to it there, but uh, the Batman Gets a Movie Mouth podcast recommendation. It is available in all markets in theaters right now, except Russia. So, yeah, if you're that way inclined, if you love things a little dark, if you love the Batman, and if you're not really into comic book movies, but you like detective movies, go see it. Recommended. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Yes, indeed. Um, So one other thing to review this week, and then we'll keep this one short. It's another Apple TV show. So I'm surprising myself because really at the start of this year, I don't think I'd sat through an entire season of anything on Apple TV+. Plus. It's been pretty disappointing so far. Um, Be it, you know, the big budget Duna-like foundation based on Isaac Asimov's writings or future blind Viking romp C, uh, starring Aquaman himself. but it's in the weirdness that the platform seems to come alive. It's, you know, I mentioned before M. Night Shyamalan's servant. Mm. Uh, and now here with another S, uh, Ben Stiller's weird and wonderful severance. Wow. Uh, have you seen much of this film? Have you seen anything of this yet? I haven't. No, I haven't, but I've heard good things. It's, well, it's very, very strange. Um, it's, it's basically an original concept um, which is which has been written by Dan Erickson and Mohammed El Masri. Um, they it basically focuses on uh, Adam Scott's mark. So Adam Scott, you'll remember, was the irritating douchebag Derek in Step Brothers. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, he was in Parks and Rec, and he's in a ton yeah. of things. But I've always loved him. I think he's, I think he's fantastic. He is good. And here, he he finally gets the lead in a in a TV show. Um, Mark leads a team of office workers whose memories have been surgically divided between their work and personal lives. When a mysterious colleague appears outside of work, it begins a journey to discover the truth about their jobs. So I'll kind of take a step back. Basically, what this is, is about people that go to an office in a kind of alternate, alternate reality to where we are today. Um, they choose to forget going to work, meaning that they get to just live their lives outside of work and not even know what they did at work today, not know how boring work was or not have right. to do anything at work. They, they basically go to work, they, in, in their minds, fall asleep and then wake up again leaving work. On the flip side of that, you've got the people that have actually got into work. Now, these people are fully aware of the fact that they're at work, but they have no... Uh, recollection of their lives outside of work. They don't know wow. what what themselves are doing outside of work. So they're just there focused on work. And of course, the downside of that being is that when they leave work, they immediately wake back up and they're walking back into work. So they they <laughs> never they never escape. That sucks. It fucking sucks. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it's a really interesting concept. It's a really mm. interesting concept about the duality of 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 our work life balance about how many of us, uh, perhaps from a capitalistic uh, viewpoint, choose to go to work to do a job that we don't love in order to maintain a personal life that we do want to focus on, how we compromise ourselves in that way, and how, given the choice, would we decide to cut out that part of our personality that goes to work and just let, let that happen and forget about it and focus on whatever it is that you're actually doing. Um, this is great. This is I'm four episodes into this. It's releasing weekly on Apple TV Plus. Um, it's it's shot really well. Also, I mean, I don't know if you've seen much of of Ben Stiller's movies. Uh, you know, obviously, you know the likes of Zoolander, Tropic Thunder, people will have seen. Um, but he he is for, on TV. I would say moving more towards this indie alternative cinema piece. I would say that started very much with. Um, I mean, maybe he, he kind of dipped his toe with the cable guy, which was a very dark comedy that, you know, Jim Carrey starring comedy that came out back in the nineties. Hmm. But, you know, most recently, um, with the strange life of, of Walter Mitty, uh, that he starred in and, and directed, this is, is kind of a, a going along those lines of this kind of neo, uh, almost, um, communist workplace uh, stripped down to the bare bones and and very cold and and shot very very clinically, um, not unlike his show that he did for Showtime a, a couple of years ago, Escape at Danamora, starring Paul Dano, um, which uh, which was a really unsettling unsettling show. So anyway, is this a comedy? Kind of is. It kind of isn't. Um, it's it's really good. It's very dark. I, I would say. The, the cast in this are fantastic. Adam Scott, you've got in there. Uh, you've got Britt Lower starring as Heli, who's the newcomer to the workplace. Um, John Turturro is in this. Uh, he's, he's fantastic in this. Christopher Walken is in this. Uh, Patricia Arquette is also great in this. She was in Escape to Danamora as well. Um, so always good to see her. So 
this is this is really good. There's no Ben Stiller in it so far. He's not he's not starring in this. He just directs um, you know mo- most of the episodes. Yeah. But yeah, very very much enjoying it. Really, you know, along for the ride for it. Um, I would say the only downside to this is that Apple TV decided to release it on a Friday. And this is definitely very un-Friday night friendly content. It's right. not really the kind of thing you want to be watching on a Friday night. It's not your feel-good um, Friday program. Most definitely not. Right. Most definitely not. Um, and especially the episode that we watched last last night. Um, so it definitely doesn't have that, you know, that kind of, you know, fun Friday night vibe. But yeah. you got to see it. I think it's really good. I think it's yeah, really it interesting. Good. I have no idea where it's going. So that that's, you know, another thing that's going for it so we'll come back to this later but for now you know four episodes in um on apple tv plus give severance a go recommended by the movie mouth podcast cool 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 all right well phil all reviews aside should we should we amp it up a little bit let's do it should we go should we go back in time i want to go back to 1989 (laughs) in that case it's time for this Yes. For our new listeners, Video Store Corner is our classic film discussion section where we like to rent a movie from the Video Store era and sit down to watch it, just like back in the old days. And then, of course, Phil and I discuss it in spoiler-filled detail. Uh, We do release our Video Store Corner picks each week on our Instagram account to give you a little time to watch it. Um, We also give you the chance to vote on it. This time, Phil, we decided not to because, well, I'll give you an explanation as to why we didn't do it. We felt that with the release of the Batman, it would be a prime opportunity to look back at the comic book movie that really started it all and see how far these films, in particular, these characters have come. So, Phil, what did we watch this week? What did we watch indeed? Well, we watched the 1989 classic, cult classic, I would say, and just classic in general, that is (laughs) Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, now, well, what a yeah. movie. What a film. I mean, it's it holds a place dear to my heart because it's one that really it was with me growing up. Um, I remember watching this when I was younger, and I will say I have not seen this for a long time. Like, I can't remember the, what, the last time I've watched this through. Like, in, uh, definitely not in the last maybe 10 years at least. Yeah, since I've seen this, at least yeah. maybe fifteen years since I've seen this properly, and uh, it's funny actually because I was I was in the pub last night with a friend of mine, Ooh. and we were talking about this because um, he Tim who I was with and who you know very well, but he was mm-hmm. uh, he he's a huge Batman fan, and I was asking him about his uh, thoughts on uh, the, on this one in particular. And he, you know, loves it like the rest of us. And we were just saying like how much of a, a sort of impact it had on us growing up. Like we had, we were talking about like the figures we have. Like we, I had yeah. the the Batman figure from this film with like the belt that you pull out and it retracts back. We both, we were talking about that. We both had that figure. Oh, like the grappling hook belt. <laughs> the grappling hook belt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've, I've, do you know what? I've still got my Batmobile um car from this film like the toy was that the batmobile car that fits the figure 
Yes, or, so the bigger yes. one, and it had like two missiles you could put in the and thing. And it didn't have a roof, did it? It didn't have it had a, no a roof. roof. It was like it a convertible. Yeah, and yeah. You, you could uh, like, I think you pulled like the gear lever, and it like fired the missiles out of the bonnet. Like there was two like spring-loaded yellow missiles that you could load into the, the flaps in the bonnet, so they pop up yeah. and fire out these missiles. I've still got that. Um, and yeah, I and I, and it's funny because like you know the first. A few minutes that the film's on, you get that scene where you first see uh, Batman, Michael Keaton as Batman, and he's like dangling that guy off the roof, and he's like in a panic way, he's like, "Who are you?" Like, you know, he's and that immediately took me back to the Amiga game, the Amiga. Oh my <laughs> goodness me! Like, I played the game, the Batman game on the Amiga, and that was like the the intro. There was like a pixelated version of that drawn in like sixteen bit or whatever. <laughs> or 8-bit or whatever it was with a, a weird like midi sound file of that yeah. scene it just threw me straight back to being a kid it did the exact same thing to me I, yeah. I think you know you and i were born the same year um for me i think this is the first blockbuster that i can remember being released you know like something that really when when it was released it was just everywhere it was massive it was, it was like yeah it's huge people people wearing that that batman logo t-shirt everywhere mm. you know people do you, do you remember that i just mm. remember i remember you know, ty- the cards as well like the yep. trading cards tops cards they were yeah yeah they came yep. with the chewing gum stick in, yes, in right. the packets yep. right and i yep. remember gum. Yep. here's another memory i accidentally swallowed some of that chewing gum and i thought i was going to die because i was told that you should never swallow chewing gum and but it's the kind of chewing gum that like turns to mush after you chew on it for about five minutes. <laughs> no, but you know that you know that it stays in your system forever, Phil. So that chewing forever. gum is, it never it's leaves. still inside you somewhere. <laughs> it's still there. Ex- explains Batman everything. Chewing gum. It's all in there. <laughs> it's lodged in my brain somewhere. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because enough time has passed. But my brother at this time worked for Blockbuster Video, which is oh yeah, which is relevant here because uh, you know. It's a uh, video store corner. Um, yeah. And he worked at Blockbuster Video in Worthing, West Sussex. Mm, and I remember that he somehow, through his, through his spies, through his, in, you know, in the movie industry spies, even though he just worked at Blockbuster, <laughs> managed to get a hold of a pirate copy of this. And we watched it. Um, you know, I was really, I was like five or six or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and we watched it with my dad, and we all we all watched it. It was a really bad copy, but it it only added the 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 poorness of the of the film transfer onto the the video. It was probably recorded in a in a theater somewhere. Yeah, only added to the murkiness of the movie and the kind of underlying drama and creepiness of it all. Yeah, um, but it's so weird that you said that. How this film makes you kind of remember things because watching watching this, I was sat watching this. And quoting along with it, like I'd seen it a year ago, but yeah. I haven't seen it in fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I like, you know, like all that, like, like you say, the "Who are you?" Yeah, I'm Batman. Like all, I'm all Batman. that stuff. Yeah, um, it's just so like. Do you know what? It's funny. Like that's exactly the same experience I did. We watched it. Me and my brother managed to get like a pirate copy off of a friend of my brother's at school. Like, you right. know, that's how we watched it. I don't even know what. Yeah language it was no it was english but it was like yeah it was just it was a definite pirate copy at the time but that's the only way we could watch it being like you know 
however old it was. Not that old. <laughs> no, it's it's crazy. I think it's probably the first um being a being a Brit, I think it's probably the first time that I was aware of, you know, superheroes other than Superman. Because at the time Christopher Reeve's Superman was like, you know, the be all and end all of superhero movies. Every other movie that had come out was kind of straight to video. There was a really weird Spider-Man movie that me and my brother used to watch and we would cry mm. laughing when he when he'd be climbing up the walls and things. It just it was yeah. bad. And you know, the Batman TV show with Adam West that was was great, but was so camp. Oh god! Um, yeah. I mean, I had Batman the movie on video. We got given that for as a Christmas present. The Adam West one, the shark, shark repellent, repellent. the the, the yeah. helicopter. Oh my god! The whole thing yeah. is amazing, phenomenal. Uh, yeah, um, um, but yeah, we had that on video. I used to watch that all the time. Um, so, so you, so you, so you booted this film up. You watched this film. Um, I mean, just let's just just. Do you want to just jump into the plot just to, for those people that you know haven't seen it? If you're if you haven't seen it, that's, yeah, you know, go away I mean, and watch it, obviously. It's pretty uh it's pretty simple, really. I mean, you've got Batman, uh he he wants to go on his sort of war against crime uh, against his first sort of major enemy that is Jack Napier, played by Jack Nicholson, who becomes the clownishly homicidal Joker. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean it's just he's I mean, Jack Nicholson in this, such a good performance as the Joker. Like, I, as I said, like, because it's been so long since I watched it, I couldn't really remember, like, the whole part of how he turns into the Joker. Like, it was that long that I couldn't oh, really? remember. Like, yeah, I, I remember that. Remember I remember that. Vis- vis- viscerally, just because yeah. of of how haunting it actually yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, once they're in the factory, I was like, oh, yeah, he falls into the, the like, the rather neon green vat of yeah. toxic, like, you know, yeah. comic um, goo. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the main thing I got out of this was that I always thought this film was a lot more serious than it is. Like, I always thought <laughs> it was darker than it is. Right. Like, it's funny. And it's funny yeah. in places it shouldn't be funny as well. Right. Correct. Jack, like Jack Nicholson was... talking to a flaming corpse, for example, a smoking corpse, for example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. But like, I'm glad you're dead. But there's I'm other... glad you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible tie. <laughs> it's brilliant. But like, I, I there's there's bits in this that I don't think were meant to be funny at the time that I found hilarious. Like we were laughing out loud, like me and my wife watching it, because I think part of it is due to, to the uh, costume that Batman it's the cowl. Has. It's the yeah, cowl. The cowl. Is the he problem. can't, Michael Keaton can clearly not move in that costume. He cannot move like, his neck. He no. cannot turn his so head from left to what right. What happens is he looks like a, a, a <laughs> meerkat. Like every time he's looking at something, he's just like, <laughs> And he, he just like pops pop, up. He just like pops up and like looks left to right. But he, he has to like rotate his entire body basically yeah. in order to move his head, which is hilarious. When it, is hilarious. it is um, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, but it's also showing its age. Like you know, there's some really like, but I love it. Like there's like the proper matte painting stuff going on. Yeah, you know, and like the backgrounds and stuff, but like yeah. really obvious matte paintings with like bits of smoke like superimposed over them and things like of Gotham. But I love the feel of that Gotham. I love the feel that it's that that mix of like, you know, sort of 20s, 30s, art deco, 
um and modern being modern in the like you know late 80s to yeah. mix that's like all the reporters and stuff have still got like the the sort of um trilby hats on and like pinstripe yeah. suits and stuff and yeah. the police still dress in the long trench coats with hats and cigars and it feels like 20s mixed with like and all the and it's like it's so cool when they go to they, they zoom into that scene where they go to bruce wayne's party and in like the grounds of his house you've got a mix of like 20s sort of gangster type cars like old you know fords and stuff mixed with those 80s like you know just like boxy american yeah uh, ford cortinas yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah like chevys and yeah. stuff you know just like yeah. it's really cool i love the mix mm. of the styles in it um yeah there's yeah. a lot of there is a lot of fairly jarring special effects in this that i didn't realize at the time there's like that top-down scene at the beginning or oh, the first bad. the first view exactly you had which one you mean yeah. yeah, it's like looking down a building and you see this Batman stood there with a cape, but he's like clearly hand-drawn animated. It's like animated, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really bad. Also, there's the, the Batwing crash scene, which is like clearly <laughs> just a like, a, like a model, right? It's a really bad model, yeah. Well, but how much did right. that kind of thing, like when you were a kid, how much did that kind of thing like appeal to you so much? Because you were like, that's so cool. It looks like my toys at home. Like I, I, could, I could recreate that scene by... It was like watching know, Thunderbirds. Get, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just like watching Thunderbirds. Yeah. Exactly. So, no, you are you are right. You are right. It it does still stand up. I think it does. It just about still stands up to the test of time. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it does look good. You know, when he you know when he's got the Batmobile and, and he, he he speaks into that little thing, which is funny, hilarious. Like that he speaks mm. into this thing. It's like go shields, like, oh, shields, armor. yeah, armor, yeah. shields, whatever. That looks really cool when like the shields go over the Batmobile. It does look cool. Yeah, I lo- I've really always cool. loved that scene. Yeah, I've it's brilliant. That scene. Um, there is something weird about this film. I think the plot is a little light. There's mm. not really much of a plot. It's basically no. um, Jack Nicholson falls into a vat of chemicals, becomes the Joker, and prances around Gotham, <laughs> uh, trying to sleep with various women, including Kim Basinger's Vicky Vale. Yeah. Um, while in the background, he is uh, mixing chemicals into everyday products so that when they are uh, applied in in kind of collaboration <laughs> with each other, so for example, you brush your teeth with toothpaste and then you use a mouthwash, will turn you into a smiling corpse. Yeah. Um, kind of weird. It, yeah, it's weird. not really... <laughs> it, you kind of have to follow it. You kind of have to really dig in to kind of figure out what what is going on in this yeah um it's also more of a more of a love story than i thought it was yeah but it's got that that it's got that massive problem that a lot of films of that era and still now it happens a lot like so vicky vale meets bruce wayne once right next thing is they're going out on a date they sleep together and then same the night, next, by the way, same, same night. night, same night. Yeah, oh, is it the same night? Yeah, first, first date. Yeah, and then, and then, and then, and then it's just like you know, the next scene along, it's like, oh, uh, I had feelings for you for the first moment I met you, which was like yesterday. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's just that that yeah. whole sort of like this is a bit yeah rushed and sort of mm. like yeah a bit ridiculous, but you know the whole thing's ridiculous anyway. Yes. But, um, one thing one thing I did find hilarious was the fact that. Is that dramatic and but it's also really undramatic scene where 
the Batmobiles being chased around by those the two like Joker's henchmen cars, you know, like the painted yes. like cars. Yeah. And one of like the cool cool I say with, you know, raised fingers in the air, uh parts of the Batmobile is that he has to get like a grappling hook hooked around the thing just to turn around the corner. That was like a special move. Yes. Weird <laughs> like that, the car isn't it? couldn't turn left. Yeah, so I guess it was at the speed to... it was going at. It was going at an incredible yeah, it speed. Incredibly slow. It did look <laughs> to be incredibly fair, slow. It looked really, really slow. It was like the slowest car chase ever. But they did build that Batmobile. I mean, that was the cool thing. You could yes. tell it was real. Like when yeah, it was yeah. driving, you know, and the leaves uh, cluttering up. The only, I mean, it was real. It was full size, full scale. But it was. I mean, one issue with that is how they sped it up. Um, oh, yeah. It looked bad. It kind of did look bad, didn't it? And it's because yeah. you got flames coming out the back of a car. If you speed it up, the flames move way too quick. So it's yeah. weird, you know. It's just like you immediately look bad. But um, I think I'm going to put it out there. I know you haven't seen the Batman yet, but I'm going to say that the 1989 Batmobile is the best Batmobile. It is, 100%. I know what yep. all the Batmobiles look like, and it's yep. 100% the best-looking Batmobile and one Correct. of the best movie cars ever. Ever. Yeah, It looks cool as fuck. Yeah. Do you own it in Rocket League by any chance? Yes. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yes, I do. All right, let's stop talking about this. This is the welcome to the Rocket League podcast. <laughs> um, yes, no, it's, it's phenomenal. The, all the vehicles in this are actually really cool. I, I, I even mm. I even let out a laugh of glee it, with the Joker's helicopter. Like he's gone to the pains of within just a few days of building his own helicopter and painting it like yeah, yellow, uh, green, it. and purple. And <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that all of his henchmen have suddenly got like bomber jackets with the patches on. Like he got them made and produced. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, love that brilliant. joker i want one of those jackets to be fair to be fair me too i actually want one of the batman suits so i can turn and tilt my entire body when i want to look at something <laughs> yeah you want no um, movement in your neck but let's i mean let's let's just talk about you know the 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 cast in this i mean interestingly for a batman movie you get nicholson playing the villain's name first on the poster yeah um and that's because at the time Jack Nicholson was a significantly bigger name than Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously came into this, really is the star of this movie. If you, For me, when I was a kid, I always thought that Batman was the star of this film. If you watch this now, it's Jack Nicholson's Joker that is the star of this film. 100%, yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. He gets way more screen time. He must have more screen time. He must Loads have more, more screen time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he has so much fun doing it. Yeah, I I don't think you could have cast a better actor other than Robin Williams, who we know was originally linked to the role. He was. I've got a bit of trivia or, about that later. Or uh, Jim Carrey. I, I think yeah. those are the only two people that I could say could go on this same level with Jack Nicholson. But Nicholson kills it yeah. as Joker. And yeah. For me, and I know I'm in a minority, remains the best screen joker of all time. I agree. I agree. 100%. Yeah. Just brilliant. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a lot of Heath Ledger fans out there, but I just, he was I good, just think he's great. But Jack Nicholson was better. <laughs> he was insane. Yeah. Um, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> uh, just so many lines as well. There's so many incredible lines that he spits out in this. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, there's that scene where Jack Palance, who's the crime boss that basically sends him to be killed, he comes back and he's like, you know, Jack, you are my number one guy. <laughs> and then you see the scene where Jack Nicholson does it to his henchman, Bob, because yeah. you are my number one guy. <laughs> yeah. just, <laughs> just all these lines that like, oh, Bob the goon. Bob the goon. Also, as a quick mention for Jack Palance, like, <laughs> obviously I know him from like, what is it? It's um, City Slickers. City Slickers, yeah. But like, when he's speaking that, because he's got such a distinctive voice, Jack Palance. And oh, yeah. like, when we were watching it, my wife was like, why is he talking like that? I was like, that's how he talks. Because he's amazing. One hundred percent. He's Curly from uh, curly. City Slickers and so City Slickers Two: the, the Search for Curly's Gold. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Bob the Goon, who we know was in uh, Repo Man, a film that we watched recently for Video <laughs> he, Store Corner. He was. Uh, was also in City Slickers with Jack Palance. Wow. So was take he? that. Put that take in your pipe that. and smoke it. Yes. So Jack Palance says that line to Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson says that line to Bob the Goon, and they both end up in a film together. Brilliant. Oh, there you go. I'm here all week. Do you know what other scene stuck in my mind for something that was a bit weird? You know when you first meet, um, you meet the, like the, the corrupt cop, Eckhart? Yes. He's the big guy with the, the cigar, like very portly yeah. guy. And, uh, the cigar chomping cop. Yeah. 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 But that scene, like they clearly re-dubbed it yes it's so sharp like the vocal in it is just like mm -hmm. so clear it's really weird because you get like no yeah. other like background noise but you've got these super clear crisp deep vocals it's really odd but i love yeah, it yeah i'm gonna he's, he's like, yeah i'm gonna go get a cigar and kill yeah. uh, jack mm. uh napier yeah it's just really mm. like yeah it's really weird but i liked it i was I, I was mostly impressed i mean by a lot of the the additional actors in this this was famously filmed in england so a lot of mm. the extra cast in this there's a lot of people that have cropped up in a lot of the the drama tv shows um in England over the years, uh, which, which was fun to spot as well. A lot of people that, you know, we probably have grown up watching on TV as well in, in the background of, of Gotham city. Yeah. Um, but that I thought was, that was really, that was really cool. It just, ah, oh, go on. No, I just, it, do you know what? One thing I completely forgot, I didn't write a note about it, but I was like at the time and exactly for that reason, uh, I recognized in one scene in the police station, he doesn't have a speaking part, but, it's definitely the guy that plays Cassandra's dad from Only Fools and Horses is like one oh. of the policemen behind like the the counter in the police really? station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. Only Fools and Horses for our listeners, American listeners, is the greatest UK sitcom of all time in, yes. in my book. Yeah. Um, it's just a wonderful show. Um, random, but if Forever you get the chance to watch it. Yes. For, for, for Anglophiles out there, if you like, you know, British comedy, and you don't mind something a little 80s, 90s, check out Only Fools and Horses. It's absolutely wonderful. And Phil and I both grew up watching it. Brilliant. Yes. They did do um, an American version, which is a bit criminal, but still, we'll, 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 we'll ignore that. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, it's, it's hard to say anything bad about this film, really. I just think that it's, it's just got it all. It definitely, it, if you watch it now and you've seen all these, these comic book movies since, 
it definitely sets the template for every single comic book movie, doesn't it? It's got oh, yeah. elements of comedy, elements of lightness, darkness. It's got a great villain. It's got, um, you know, an excellent Batman. I, I would say, I had a discussion with, with my girlfriend about this, how I think that Michael Keaton is still the best Batman. Yeah. But I also think he's the best Bruce Wayne. Yeah, because he, <laughs> I think he's the one Bruce Wayne. And again, I was talking to my mate Tim about this last night. He's the one Bruce Wayne that I think gets across the the awkwardness of the character of Bruce Wayne. Yes. Like he's an awkward, like not very good at social, being social billionaire or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And he plays that perfectly. He's he like, does. you know, even when they see him at the party, he's like, he doesn't even admit who he is to start yeah. with. Yeah. And then, it, yeah, he's just intrigued by everyone, but he's just really awkward. It's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. He's, he's very detached, isn't he? He's, he's detached, but in a comedic way that's funny because you, you know that he's Bruce Wayne, you know that he's Batman, but no one else really, he doesn't really open that up to anybody else. It's, it's such a good performance. And I think that, you know, obviously Tim, Tim Burton had worked with, uh, with Keaton on Beetlejuice. Um, mm. and, had really petitioned, you know, when he got the the Batman gig, he really petitioned to get Keaton in the role. The studio Warner Brothers didn't want him; they wanted a big a big name. Mm. But you know, and that that famous famous story. But they they obviously brought in Michael Keaton, and it was an absolute success. I I think they've tried, you know, to to better that. I think Christian Bale is phenomenal, by the way. And I'm not, mm. you know, I'm not I'm not certainly talking him down. It's just different, you know. Uh, but you know, they then tried to bring in Val Kilmer. They then tried to bring in George Clooney and bringing in these kind of big names with, you know, an oeuvre of movies and, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, people that could potentially d deliver an audience to Batman didn't work. Whereas no. bringing in actors like Keaton with pathos, like, like Christian Bale, like Robert Pattinson, people that actually are character actors as opposed to just being megastars clearly worked and set that template going forward yeah. so um yeah I, I mean that that's what i think i don't know if you if you if you differ on that i just i just think he's a phenomenal no, batman i agree Wayne. i think he's he's a great batman i think he's brilliant like you know it it's not like he's i mean you get a, it's all a bit stiff in like the whole the way it's filmed it's like he's not like a he doesn't know his like karate moves and he's not like a martial artist you know he's he's just mm -hmm. a a guy that has a, is all right in a fight, I suppose, but he doesn't even look like the kind of guy that can handle himself in a fight. <laughs> no, he doesn't. There's that scene where the Joker breaks in uh, with all of his henchmen into Vicky Vale's apartment, and Keaton's there, and he and he he stands up to them, and he does that. But he looks really small and short compared to all the henchmen and everybody that's there. Yeah, but he does that. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Scene, which is just <laughs> fucking yeah. brilliant. Yeah. He's just, awesome. he, that day he must have turned up and been like, okay, this is my first day on set with playing against Nicholson. Nicholson's coming in here, intimidating me. No doubt Nicholson was owning this movie. Like, it's my movie. My, you know, he yeah. obviously walked in, like, assuming 100%. it was his movie. He's a producer as well on this. Michael Keaton is like, just, you know, playing the part of Bruce Wayne, but he went head to head with them. And, you know, he, 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 I think Nicholson goaded him. And I think that, that it comes across in this. And then you got that amazing end scene, you know, it appears we have a bat in our belfry <laughs> where um, 
you know, they fight in the in the Gotham City Cathedral, and uh, it's just a brilliant, a brilliant end. I was dying with laughter when when he's on the ladder, <laughs> when Joker's on the ladder, <laughs> yeah, he's laughing trying his head to climb off. up. Yeah, and he's just laughing his head off. He's like, oh, you know, and then Batman <laughs> fires like the. Oh. The grappling hook around yeah. his leg and attaches it to the the um, the gargoyle on top of yeah. the building, and he's like, "Oh, ah, ooh, and he's like, ah, and he's like looking up. at the gargoyle, gargoyle, going, "What are you looking at?" Yeah, <laughs> fucking brilliant that whole scene. They don't make them like they used to. <laughs> oh, oh my god, so oh, good. Do you, want, do you want some trivia about this? Yeah, let's do it. Right. So, uh, as you alluded to earlier. Uh, Robin Williams was offered the role of Joker when Jack Nicholson hesitated. Uh, he had even accepted the role when producers approached Nicholson again and told him that Williams would take the part if he did not. Nicholson took the role and Williams was released. Um, wow. Apparently Williams resented being used as bait and not only refused to play Riddler in Batman Forever in 1995, but also refused to be involved in any Warner Brothers production until the studio apologized. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's amazing. I would love to have seen. But I think Williams they, I think they became good friends, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I would as well. I think Robin Williams and uh, and Jack Nicholson were, were good oh, friends. Yeah. yeah, they were good friends. Um, Jack Nicholson said of this role, "The thing I liked uh, about the Joker is that his sense of humor is completely tasteless." He later said that the Joker is one I of love his about favorite roles. Yeah, that's what I love. That's what I love about him. That scene where he. Kills the guy with the uh, the, sh- the hand shocking thing um, is just so good, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember we had a toy of that. It's so weird, isn't it? Well, they made toys of things that killed people, but yeah, we had a toy of that buzzer that he used when he shook the hand. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I think I did as well. Um, Jack Nicholson said. Um, so, yeah, Jack Nicholson received a percentage of the gross on the film. And yes. due to its massive box office take, he took home around $60 million. Yep. Wow. And they, yeah, that basically, that led him to retire. That's why he's barely in any movies. He doesn't need to be in them. Didn't need at all. <laughs> yeah, no. he got 60 mil. No. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. So this is uh, Michael Keaton, who calls himself a logic freak, was co- uh, concerned that Batman's secret identity would, in reality, be fairly easy to uncover and discussed ideas with Tim Burton to better disguise the character, including the use of contact lenses. Ultimately, Keaton decided to perform Batman's voice at a lower register than when he was portraying Bruce Wayne. This technique has obviously become a staple of future portrayals of Batman in, in basically everything, film, TV, games, everything. Um, so yeah, that's quite interesting. So he sort of came up with that idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, Michael Keaton was unable to hear while wearing the <laughs> bat suit. He said that his claustrophobia helped him in the proper uh, to get into the proper mood to play Batman. He said it made me go inward, and that's how I wanted the character to be anyway, to be withdrawn. He said. So I'm that's good to know. Could... That's good to yeah. know. That definitely comes across, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is pretty cool as well. So in order to combat negative rumors around the production, um, a theatrical trailer was hastily assembled to be distributed to theaters. Uh, To test its effectiveness, Warner Brothers executives showed it at a theater in Westwood, California, to an unsuspecting audience. 
the 90 second trailer received a standing ovation later it would become a popular bootleg at comic book conventions that's pretty wow. cool yeah that is so cool. they just like threw together this trailer imagine being like the first person to see like that it'd be weird um the, right this i absolutely love right this is jack nicholson this is exactly how i picture jack nicholson right so jack nicholson had a strict schedule stipulated into his contract that his casting call was to be later than most actors and actresses on set nicholson was known for having late evenings up to 3 a.m before he would get home uh, as he dined out every night or attended small parties Michael Keaton would arrive early in the mornings and, Nac- and Nicholson would come in around 10 a.m. at the earliest and greet Keaton, then sit on his chair. He would then tilt his head, tilt his head back and fall asleep immediately as the makeup artist worked on his prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been up till 3 a.m. getting wasted and then, uh, yeah, he just arrives as late as he wants, tilts his head back, goes to sleep while they put his makeup on. What a hero. Gave <laughs> zero fucks. <laughs> Absolutely zero. Um, and then this, actually, this is really interesting because I was wondering this while we were watching it because there's scenes in the film where um, obviously Jack Nicholson, as the Joker, falls into the vat and it colours his skin like a very, very pale white, doesn't it? And... Um, there's scenes in it that he then puts makeup on over his white skin to make yeah. himself look more normal. And there's scenes in yeah. it where he wipes off some of that makeup. And it's like, that's pretty clever because how do you wipe off makeup that's applied over other makeup? Um, Correct. But they've said that in, uh, obviously the Joker has to mask his chalk white face by painting himself flesh-coloured. In the script, it was specified that the Joker would have to take the flesh-coloured makeup off to reveal the white skin underneath, meaning that the makeup effects team had to find a way to make one layer, like to take one layer of makeup off and then leave the other intact. So they come up with a solution, which was to paint um, Jack Nicholson with white Pax paint, um that they always used and then put a thin layer of food grade silicon oil, which nothing sticks to on top of it. So they then took the flesh colored grease paint and painstakingly painting it to where it was literally sitting on top of the oils. Uh, they then airbrushed and faded it in to make it look natural. Uh, and then after soaking the Joker's handkerchief in isopropyl alcohol, Nicholson was able to like wipe his face so it wipes off the grease paint like leaving the white amazing it's so cool because he does that in the thing doesn't he where he's like dabbing his head with his uh, handkerchief yeah. but it's got like alcohol yeah. and it's wiping off that top layer so cool as like a film that's such technique. like um, it's such a Tim Burton like kind of trope isn't it that like darkness of a character having makeup on and like that weirdness of it of it like dripping off him it's very beetlejuice-esque as well yeah. isn't it in places like yeah, that, yeah. that kind of thing definitely um and then a couple of other short ones so we mentioned the scene earlier on like the the finale to the film in the cathedral um the gotham city cathedral so uh when the joker and vicky bell is there joker uh, radios for transportation for two to arrive in 10 minutes, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And then really coolly between entering the cathedral and the arrival of the Joker's helicopter. He's, no, he says five minutes and they go, better and then he, he better make it 10. Yeah. He? After he looks at the stairs because yeah, he, he sees the how, stairs. how many stairs there are. And he goes, <laughs> yeah. better make it 10. 
Well, the time between them entering there and the helicopter arriving to pick him up is 10 minutes. Wow. That's it's awesome. like real time. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, 10 minutes of, of shoe throwing and bell falling with acid. Yeah, I did say like during that, I was like, who throws a shoe? I mean, who throws a shoe? I mean, really? <laughs> he does at Batman. Um, Wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? <laughs> Oh. And then one last cool one, uh, a scene that was cut from the, um, a scene was cut from the parade sequence, which with all the crazy balloons, which is another mm -hmm. thing I really remember. And, and the Prince music, which also yes. we should give a shout out to the Prince soundtrack and Good soundtrack. and all that stuff. Yep. Great soundtrack. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a scene that was cut from that, but it made it in the comic book version of the script, uh, where the crowd discovered that all the money that the Joker was handing out was counterfeit. Um, in a follow-up uh, to the Joker's earlier line that he wanted my face on the $1 bill, all of the dollar bills were thrown to the crowd that had the, uh, they had the Joker's face in place of George Washington's. Ah. So like the money was it's, all fake that they were throwing out. It's weird that I seem to remember that somehow, and I don't know why, but maybe I've yeah. seen an outtake or something on one of the DVDs yeah, maybe. over the years. Maybe. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot more trivia on this, but it could go on for I could go on forever. But yeah, it's that's... it's such an interesting movie. It it really is, and you know, there's a lot to be said for Batman Returns, the follow up. Um, yeah, we should we should probably just say a couple of things about. Again, I haven't seen that in a long time, but no, I'm gonna watch. I seem to remember really enjoying that. I also remember it's a Christmas movie, which is kind of weird. Yeah, a, a superhero Batman movie um, at Christmas. Um, but it definitely continued the character. Loved all that stuff with Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman and all that. I thought she was great. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of a shame that they, that Tim Burton didn't come back for the third one. I did enjoy Batman Forever, which was a continuation, allegedly, of this character. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, you know, Edward Nigma, Jim Carrey being in that one was great. And yeah. then, of course, uh, you also get Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. Yeah. And if you remember in this Batman... Uh, Harvey Dent was played by Billy D. Williams of Lando Calrissian fame. Indeed. And is then recast as uh, Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever. Yeah. Which was kind of weird. Yeah. But if you watch it, and if you think about it, don't you think Tommy Lee Jones was kind of playing Jack Nicholson playing <laughs> Two-Face? I think Tommy Lee Jones was like playing the character he plays in the Steven Seagal film. What is it? On the submarine. Oh, Under Siege. Oh, under Siege, oh, On the yeah. ship. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, he's just yeah. playing the same character as that. I love that movie. I don't know. He's got like, he got like a real southern drawl. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's also got an amazing character name, which I need to now search for. Oh, is it like Dakota something? I'm going to find out. <sighs> um, but no, I think, you know, I think that, that villains-wise, I think that he's still the most memorable as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I need to find it. I can't find it. It's weird though. It's weird talking about Michael Keaton because he is actually returning as Bruce Wayne. He is in, in the Flash movie, so he's he's coming back. We're going to see him again. Um, I'm looking so it's going to be it. interesting. Me too, man. Me too. I love Michael Keaton. I've uh, I don't know what it is about him. I just find him really wholesome and great to watch. And usually everything he's in is is usually pretty decent. You yeah. know. Um. But yeah, no, I, I loved I loved watching this film again. I thought it was such a cozy, like fun movie to watch. I actually watched this the same day as the Batman and the juxtaposition <laughs> the was really weird. Yeah. Totally, totally bizarre contrast. Yeah. Um, 
but you know and it and it did like you know like, the way that Pattinson played it versus the way Keaton played it is completely different and it does miss that. The character does miss that in, in the Batman. And I know we're kind of talking about the, the, the older movie, but it does miss that, that duality of having a fairly fun Bruce Wayne, you know, crossed with a very dark, Yeah, it's been some very, all the Batman films since I think have been just really serious. Correct. Hence the why so serious. But yeah, still like, I don't know. It's just like, it's not comic Batman. There's, no. There's, been not, there's not been comic Batman since. No. Yeah. Yeah, William Stranix. That's the name of the character. <laughs> William Stranix. Oh, I love that movie. We need, we need to watch that movie. Although, isn't I think Stephen Seagal is being blacklisted now for his involvement in the in Putin's war? So. Oh God, right. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's get. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Anywho, did you love it, Phil? Did you enjoy it? I did love it. I did enjoy it. I was. Oh. I enjoyed it so much. I didn't even. I, I was going to rent it from Amazon Prime. It was three pound forty nine to rent Batman. Uh, in HD from Amazon Prime, or it's four ninety nine to buy it. So I just bought it. <laughs> I can watch it again well and again. You can watch it anytime you like. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, in the US here, it was on Hulu. Uh, weirdly, Hulu. Cause it's Warner right. Brothers. I thought it'd be on HBO, but it's available okay. to watch for free on on Hulu if you've got that subscription. Oh. Um, so go and do that. How do you feel, Phil? We, we're back in the saddle. How are you feeling about it? Uh, I feel good. I yeah, feel great. You look great. I know the listeners might be, but you look phenomenal. Thanks. <laughs> he just did like a weird goblin face. <laughs> I did. That's my face. What are you on about? Didn't do anything. Nah, bless you. Well, it's nice to be back. And um, <laughs> moving on. If you could put your clothes back on now, Phil, that would be great. <laughs> uh, but no, it was great to be back. And uh, apologies to our listeners for the delay. And uh, we'll try to get another episode out as soon as possible. But as far as we're concerned, we are back, back, back. We're back, man. Um, <laughs> okay. <Wow. laughs> Join us on the next Movie Mouth podcast, slice of movie and TV-related podcast fun. But before then, please follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at, at Movie Mouth Podcast and hit subscribe or give us a nice five-star review on your podcast player of choice. Phil and I are off to play some Rocket League now. Uh, I'm going to use the new Batmobile. You're going to use the old one. Yep. And we're going to get ourselves a couple of wins under the old belt. What do you think? I reckon so. Under the old Bat belt. No problem. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> what a save. Uh, Phil, there's just one last thing to say, isn't there? Go on. Okay. You can say it. Who are I'm you? Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> we did it by accident. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel.